Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. Today I'm delighted to say I'm again joined by Rene Schuster. Just to recap to my listeners, Rene is a heavyweight in the telecommunications and technology industry. He's the current chairman of Virtual Stock and prior to this, Rene has been the CEO of several multinational corporations to include Telefonica Deutschland, where he led the company through the largest IPO in Europe and the most successful DAX IPO in 2012. In this episode, we will be talking about a specific topic that is currently grabbing the headlines. It is also in Rene's area of expertise, so we're very happy to receive some expert insights into this subject. Please comment where you have access to this um, episode. We will give feedback to Rene and hopefully further dialogues will happen as a result. Stay tuned. We will enlighten you on what we're talking about on the other side of our sponsor's message. This episode is sponsored by Quality Transformation. Businesses are continuously looking to improve performance and operations. The ideas are not the issue, rather realizing them is often the roadblock, and in particular when digital technologies come into play. Quality Transformation brings in significant experience and the right skill set to support you in complex transformations. Our senior advisor can support you by delivering strong projects, programs, portfolio leadership, coaching, as well as performing independent quality assurance. Visit us at quality-transformation.com and get in touch for further information. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Our topic today is 5G and everything around it from technology to social and politics. Let's start with the basics. 5G to the ordinary man and woman is an upgrade from the 4G we all currently enjoy with our mobile devices. Most layman's understanding of it is it will increase speed of download for videos, provide ever faster access to data, enhance automation, better communications. And at some point, we just need to update our devices. Now, if you look to industry insiders, the business news media, and the political dialogue, there's much more to this. And Rene, you're going to help us out with this and provide us with some of your thoughts about this topic. So welcome to Heads Talk, Rene. Delighted to have you here again. Hi, Elaine. Uh, great to be here. And uh, I love this topic. Hopefully, uh, we can spur a little bit of uh, controversy as well. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, I'd like to start. Uh, uh, let's go back for a moment. We're going to talk about 5G. But let's go back for a moment. Let's look at the story of... 3G. Um, I want you to briefly take us on a journey, Rene, to the launch of 3G um, and 2000, in 2003 and the promises that were made um, that were not delivered. Apparently, European mobile companies spent over 150 billion euros to buy licenses for 3G networks. What was the fallout of this and what was the mood like in the telecoms industry as a result? Yeah, no, thanks for uh, setting the scene and uh, just to remind your listeners what life was like. I mean, 20 years ago, the year 2000, mm. the world was in the height of the dot-com boom. Um, we had valuations of companies that were astronomical and nobody could understand how these companies were valued, what they were. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, all the hype of uh, the Silicon Valley, the dot-com and what you can do with technology. It was a it was fantastic time to live through. Uh, it wasn't that fantastic when the when the bubble burst, but at the height of this fantastic euphoria, uh, the industry and of course politicians, um, by the way of um, selling licenses, but everybody thought that everything that you can experience in this dot com 
boom can now be transferred to a mobile phone. And the expectation setting is where the industry wildly went wrong. Um, a lot of it was um, based on entertainment. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, the type of activities back then that was just awe-inspiring was, uh, and I'm going to mention some words that probably some people have never even heard of before, but this was like the hottest lingo that you could possibly think of uh, 20 years ago. We used to talk about multimedia access, but half the world doesn't even know what that is today. Uh, we used to say, surf the net. We used to say, download your emails, download music, high quality pictures can be downloaded. And yes, we can do video conference calls on the move. I mean, who would ever want to do that is something else. But we used to say this stuff. And it was a massive gamble for the industry. It was a massive gamble to say that we're going to transform your lives and we're going to do this and it's all about 3G. Mm -hmm. And what you have to remember is back then, there were no smartphones, right? The, yes. the, the Apple iPhone came to market, I believe it was 2007. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, this is seven years after you start hyping the 3G customer experience. And of course, we still had um, what we call feature phones. And the king of the castle at that time was Nokia. I remember yes, Nokia right. owned the market globally they had the hottest products um, and it was all about voice and it was all about sms uh, to download anything just took forever on 2g and therefore 3g was this experience that would just be revolutionary and of course you know lots of governments capitalized on this and as you stated um you know billions and billions mm -hmm. of uh, euros were spent on licensing so can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on yeah. a piece of paper then you need to build it <laughs> then you need to have the products to sell on the back of it and then you need to put the price points in place that will attract the consumers to actually use your product and before you actually understand all that stuff in its completeness you're actually going to spend hundreds of billions on a piece of paper and this is where the industry went wildly wildly wrong and of course paid a huge price many of the companies that spent the money um, didn't survive, only a few did. Um, you know, subsequent years were write-downs on financial valuations of telecommunications companies. And, you know, it was a horrible experience uh, for the 10 years after the year 2000 because of this um, overselling of what you can do on the 3G technology. And um, of course, when 4G came, came along, everybody was still kind of hurting and was really quite smarting from the 3G experience. So a lot of the 4G launch was, in comparison to 3G, was really dumbed down. It was a much, much quieter approach. And I think the industry did a, a good job in trying to gain some of its credibility back um, by not over-promising. And, and lo and behold, you know, we'll get into 4G, we'll get into 5G discussion on this call. Um, but the 4G experience basically finally delivered what the 3G experience had promised 20 years ago. That would have been my next question, the lessons that were learned with the 4G launch, because it wasn't uh, as catastrophic and costly for the in industry. So um, let's move on. The natural next step of this conversation is to go into um, 5G and your thoughts around this. But 
before we do that, shall we look at the telecoms industry capex? They are notorious for waste. Um, in fact, in a recent PwC survey, telecoms operators indicated that they could be wasting up to 20% or the equivalent of $65 billion per year in capex. Why is that? It has been said that capex cases um, should probably be presented by marketing and sales people, not technology and engineering people. Would you agree with that, Rene, being an engineering man? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, 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 again, I think this is a fascinating subject because um, it's a lot more complex than people realize when you, mm -hmm. when you say capex, you know, what, what does that mean? That means basically the, the cost for the, the, the technology and the material and, and the phones and et cetera. And what's happened over the last 20 years is that there's been all different types of new technology that has been introduced into the market and has been upgraded, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're a telecoms company today, you're, you're spending this capex, in other words, this, this money for your equipment on a host of different types of technologies. And I think it's about time maybe some of this technology gets reconciliated into maybe one or two platforms instead of the multiple ones that they have. So just to give you an example, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a Verizon, an AT&T, if you're a Docomo, if you're a BT, a Deutsche Telekom, a France Telekom, I mean, pick your incumbent, you're probably spending your money on a host of technology, such as you're spending it on 2G, maintaining it. There's still a lot of 2G technology out there, and that's really transforming your voice experience. Then you're spending money on 3G. A lot of people probably don't appreciate is a lot of the 3G frequencies and technologies that were rolled out were primary rolled out on voice and not even data because even the, the industry itself didn't really trust itself to go 100% data on 3G. So it augmented a lot of voice experience. Mm -hmm. Then you have 4G, which is really truly data, even voices in a voice IP packet, but it's primarily data. And um, again, it's not rolled out 100% across the world, but clearly, you know, in the modern era, it is. And then you've got DSL, which is the old copper fixed line communication that can give you an internet experience as well. Mm -hmm. Then what some clever engineers did is they kind of souped it up and called it VDSL. In other words, they probably um, rooted fiber optics to a, a particular cabinet that's on your street corner. And then from that cabinet, it still has copper wire that goes to your house or your building. So it gives you a faster experience. And then, of course, the fastest experience is something called FTTH or FTTB, which is fire, fiber to the building. Mm -hmm. So all these technologies you, you have to maintain. You've got to spend technology on. And, of course, what's also happened in the last 15 years is the explosion of cable and cable TV and mm -hmm. cable Internet. That's a completely different technology. And many telephone companies have cable features and functionalities as well. So think about all that technology that you need to spend your money on to maintain a consumer or a business experience when it comes to the internet, entertainment, downloading things, et cetera, et cetera. That's a very, very long-winded way of saying there just isn't enough money to yeah. go around to kind of pay for all this stuff. Now, Where's the marketing stuff coming in handy from your question that you asked? Because that was rather a technical answer. Well, the, the marketing side is 
um, a lot of pricing in the, in the telco industry is regulated. In other words, governments make sure that prices continually to go down. And as we all know, thank God the industry also had roaming abolished, which was a big problem here in Europe compared, compared to different places in the world. Mm -hmm. So you've got prices that come down. You've got handsets that are getting more expensive. In the olden days, telecommunications companies used to give you free handsets with your airtime. The problem is it got so expensive, these handsets, they now cost upwards of $800,000, even more than that, that um, you had to separate your airtime from these devices to get consumers to realize the industry can't afford to like pay, pay for this for you, you're gonna have to pay for it yourself. So you've got prices that's coming down in parallel and the cost of all this equipment going up. And then of course, here in Europe in particular, you have too many players. So it's extremely competitive and margins are squeezed. So you put all this stuff together and then you come up with this wild concept called 5G, which is, again, it's superior technology. 5G is gonna be a great experience uh, one day. And my debate is it's gonna take a lot longer than everybody thinks. Oh. I think the adoption rate will be very, very slow compared to these other technologies that we talked about. Since you've, you've introduced it, let's fully get into um, 5G. And you mentioned a lot of controversy with the, the advent of 5G, 5G technology, and perhaps um, there's a sense of, I don't know, deja vu with the 3G issues you talked about earlier. The industry has paid for 5G licenses. Um, has this been overhyped? Is this another expensive marketing gimmick for what end? Effectively, will the telecoms industry be pent at leisure with the implementation of 5G? Rene, explain to my listeners what you see is the problem here, if there is one. What is your understanding of its use, um, of consumer behaviour, uh, and whether it is a viable product in the marketplace right now, especially the mobile market? So I think 5G, let me be clear, is a technology that will come, and what we're talking about here is when. And my hypothesis is, again, it's going to be a lot longer than people think, maybe as long as 10 years from now. Um, and a lot of it is predicated on consumer behavior, as you mentioned, um, all this other technology that we have in the market that we're paying for that you still need to get a return on. A lot of people probably don't appreciate all the 4G investment. In other words, the licensing um, fees, the rollout of equipment, the handsets, mm -hmm the marketing and promotion of 4G, the break-even for 4G, it depends on what country we're talking about, but the break-even is, is really going to be in 2020 to 2025. So in the next five-year period, all that money that was spent in 2012, 2013, 2014 will, will hit a, a zero, in other words, a black number, not a red number, uh, about now or in the next two to three years. So to introduce new technology and to take your business back in the red is just not a wise business decision. So I think you'll see a lot of telcos reluctant to kind of push the 5G technology, certainly from a mass market point of view. What, what telcos are renowned for is what we call a marketing shout. In other words, you pick a particular city or a particular geographic area in a country and you say, oh, look, we got 5G and you can kind of make a commercial about it but it's not really a rich consumer experience um, across a particular country and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So 5G, 
what is it used for? Well, without a doubt, it's going to help your, um, give you advanced video streaming. But the big thing that everyone's talking about that has lots of people excited is something called augment, augmented reality, which um, is still a, a proof of concept as opposed to a mass market product. And everyone talks about IoT. That means the Internet of Things. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the Internet of Things experience you can actually service with 4G technology. So therefore, you know, just introducing technology with really having a deep understanding of why consumers or business should buy this stuff and how are you going to price it is going to be a real, real challenge for the industry. And it's probably something they'd, they'd like to maybe address a little bit later and kick that can down the road a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one of the debates I have with many people of why I think this is going to be such a big challenge is because we've all been trained, every one of us, that if you're not moving and you're stationary, doesn't matter where you are, if you're in a restaurant, if you're in a library, if you're in a bar, if you're at a friend's house, the first thing you ask is, what is your Wi-Fi code? That's right. If you're not moving, use somebody's Wi-Fi. Why? Well, first of all, it's free. <laughs> you don't have to pay for anything. Secondly, is it's a pretty decent experience. Some people have got some really, really good Wi-Fi that, you know, it clearly won't be the speeds of a 5G, but it will certainly be a 4G experience, if not better, with Wi-Fi, which means if you want to download a movie, if you want to do video streaming, if you want to kind of get entertained, so to speak, you can, you can have this at your fingertips for free. And why would you want to do that stuff when you're moving? If you're moving, you probably download something to your handset. And what's more important is the memory in your device so you can download things, entertainment, whether it's video games, whether it's uh, movies, etc., and then kind of have that choice to access it when you actually want to, as opposed to having it over the airways and getting it real time and, of course, paying for it. This is the big problem. Who is going to pay for this stuff and how much are you willing to pay? And this is the bit that I think the industry has not thought through properly and is one of the reasons why I think 5G is going to be delayed because I haven't seen anything that makes any rational sense of what are you going to charge the consumer for this fantastic augmented reality. It's not going to save lives. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change us drastically because... We, we can do everything that we want to do today with the technology that we have. So I'm, I see this deja vu coming back to your question mm -hmm. of haven't we before? Isn't this just the hype that we talked about in the 3G world? And does this really make sense? And on top of it, we've got this pandemic that's happening everywhere in the world. Um, is this really the right time? So um, I think the industry is going to go for a real rocky, rocky road. So, so you, you talk about it not being the right time. What is your prediction on when is the right time for this to be launched? Well, that's a really, that's a really tough one to answer. Because um, the truth of the matter is, I actually don't know either. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'd have to look at telltale signs, price points, um, being able to explain and articulate to the consumer what's in it for them, what's the benefit. And we talked a little bit about this in your most recent uh, podcast that we had together. Mm -hmm. 
Do people really have a deep understanding of consumer behavior? And um, what, what does the consumer really, really want? And I don't think we have enough insights today to frame the 5G value proposition, certainly from a consumer point of view. I think from a business point of view, it might be a little bit easier, but it's still a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the points you made um, in your answer to that um, was about who's going to pay for this. And I want you to hold on to that thought um, as I ask this question and I'll bring it in. Um, you've also talked a lot about the, the many players in, in the market. Um, we like competition, don't we? Um, Very much. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the many telecommunication companies in in Europe, as opposed to that of China or even the US. Is there a reason for this? And would you care to talk about this one then, Rene? And as an additional question, and it's an old argument, is consolidation inevitable for the telecommunications industry in Europe? And what are the regulatory bodies saying, the European Commission? What what factors need to be considered? And when you talked, also when you talked about who's gonna pay for this, will that help decisions about consolidation as well? So, answer that one if you can, Rene. So yeah, I did a little bit of research um, over the last few months just to kind of understand how the topography looks on a global basis. And again, probably a lot of people don't realize or appreciate just how many operators there are in Europe compared to different parts of the world. You mentioned um, China, they have three or four operators Mm -hmm. that um, provide fixed and mobile communication and entertainment to 1.3 billion people. You look at the U.S., same thing. There's two or three major players on a nationwide basis looking after 350 million people. We come over here to Europe, and it's typically three to five network operators per country. In the European Union, there's 27 countries. I can't recall if that 27 includes the U.K. now because of Brexit or not, but let's just assume it does. Um, You know, you multiply the number. I think there's somewhere around 108 to 110 um, communication companies, uh, telecoms companies in Europe Mm -hmm. to service 450 million people. To me, that that is ludicrous. And it's almost too fragmented and too many players in the marketplace. I think that government will continue to regulate pricing and competitiveness in in Europe. And there's this um, great concept uh, everywhere in the world called net neutrality, where net neutrality is where a telecoms operator cannot discriminate um, on quality or speed of service. And again, that's a really foreign concept, especially to many other industries out there, because there are companies that have made uh, a real name for themselves by actually discriminating against quality and speed of service, especially in the, in the mail and when you want to send things in the post, we all know that if you want to send a letter overnight, whether it's DHL, Federal Express, UPS, or other of these great companies that exist on a global basis, you pay a premium for it. And you have no problem paying for that premium because uh, you know what you get and you're happy to pay for a little bit of extra um, in order for something to get there quicker. That doesn't exist in the telco industry. Um, you, you can't charge except one way, and that is to the consumer way. The other way is to the people that actually provide additional services on your network. And um, in this case, that would be the internet companies. 
So telcos cannot charge Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Twitter, um, any company that generates copious amounts of data and information for people to kind of pull from. Um, you can only charge one way, and that's towards the consumer. So from a political point of view, and politicians, they, they see lots of competition as a way of keeping a price down, which is a good thing. Um, I'm a consumer. We're all consumers. We all don't want to pay more than we have to going forward. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot less players will still provide that competition. And I think governments will still um, mandate pricing in the telco industry. So I do see consolidation in Europe as something that is inevitable. Um, however, I'm not bold enough to guess when that will happen because I have been talking about this for a few years now and it just seems that um, these businesses are still surviving, which means that the margins are probably still too high in the telco industry. And um, I think when you still are enjoying the margins that the telco industry is enjoying, it makes sense just to have these multiple organizations. As we all know, when you have margin pressure, you, you have to do things differently and you have to structure your company different and you need to provide different services. Mm -hmm. And um, I still think that the margins are still extremely attractive in the telco industry for the telco industry. And once that margin really gets eroded, and until then, we probably won't see any consolidation in this part of the world. For a while. Mm. Okay. Um, let's change the direction a little. Um, you did touch upon it by talking about um, the politics side of things. Uh, I'm going to be very general on this question or series of questions. It's about the, the politics surrounding 5G uh, and the current situation. Another controversial point, but one that we need to talk about. Please be as open as possible, um, Rene. Um, the, the US has taken the strongest possible stance against Huawei. The, the Chinese company is banned from providing any equipment for the US network. However, the UK will allow Huawei to play a limited role in, in building its 5G networks but they will ban the Chinese tech um, firm from building what they describe as core equipment. And um, other countries have banned Huawei, but not such a significant number. So who is right here? Is this political posturing or real genuine concerns with regards to data security? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, I think that's a real loaded question. That's a hard one to answer <laughs> to. Um, do I think there's politics in it? Well, of course there is. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, China and does China play fair? And uh, is, is Huawei really a subsidized uh, company? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can debate this comparison as we could between Boeing and Airbus uh, because, you know, there's all kinds of debates that have been happening on that as well. But maybe to get off the fence a little bit and, and, and talk about Huawei. Huawei has really developed into a top quality company. I mean, they produce some super, super product mm -hmm. products at, um, at very, very reasonable prices and have changed the landscape. There were many, many more equipment suppliers in the industry five, 10 years ago than they are today. And the reason why they're not here today is because they couldn't compete with the pricing. Again, I come back to margins, I come back to profitability, and they basically um, just couldn't compete. There are two more big equipment manufacturers in the world, Nokia and Ericsson. And uh, they, again, they have superior technology. They're good quality companies. They also have lots of 
patents, patents that are very, very valuable that can be applied to many different industries, especially the automobile, the automobile industry, the IoT industries that are going to be developed. So they're sitting on some really, really interesting intellectual property. I think those companies would struggle to survive if a Huawei was allowed to operate in the United States or operate um, yes. in the UK and other areas because they, they can't compete with the pricing. And uh, there's often been a rumor that said, um, you know, had Huawei really gained significant market share in, in North America, um, which one of those two companies would still be here today? Because I think that is providing a huge chunk mm-hmm. of, their, um, of their income. But these companies are good, don't get me wrong. And they're innovative and they are changing their business models to change and to adopt to the market conditions that they operate in. So I'm not predicting any one of those are going to fail or not succeed. Um, But there aren't as many players in the market because of Huawei. And um, there's got to be a reason why. Taking your political piece, well, you know, obviously the piece that has everybody spooked and a little pun intended there with the word spooked. Um, But everybody thinks that um, Huawei has got um, some sort of secret sauce or some sort of ability to tap into everybody's personal data or listen or take IP from other people Mm -hmm. and other companies. And of course, I haven't seen a rational explanation or somebody standing up and saying, I guarantee you that's not gonna happen. you know, for all of our sophistication in technology and our ability to understand things, I haven't seen anybody, I haven't seen one company, I haven't seen any government agency say that's just not the case or that won't happen. And I think because of that, it's got everybody spooked. And I think until somebody stands up and says, I guarantee you that's not going to happen, including one way, one way itself, or other governments saying, I guarantee you, Mr. Consumer, I guarantee you, Mr. Businessman, mm-hmm. you know, the stealing of intellectual property over the internet is not going to happen and I'm going to guarantee it. We're always going to have this political debate about technology. And um, it's, um, I think it's just the reality of where, we are, where we're in. Um, I'd like to put um, to the debate around the, the health issues. Um, health concerns with the rollout of 5G. The World Health Organization states, the health risks are minuscule, um, provided that the overall exposure remains um, below international guidelines. Switzerland, where I'm based, is, is relatively advanced in Europe in adopting 5G, but has since halted the rollout due to health concerns. Um, there have been many protests and uh, robust anti-5G lobby groups. Um, as Switzerland is a direct democracy, there are initiatives to collect signatures to trigger nationwide votes. If successful, it will amend Switzerland's constitution. One aim is to make telecoms company legally liable for claims of bodily damage caused by radiation from mass unless they can prove otherwise. So the industry is getting it from all angles. It really depends on who you talk to and no pun intended there. Um, I don't expect you to go in great detail with this question, but just what are your thoughts around the, the health issues that you hear, the health concerns that's been raised, countries um, halting as a result of that? Again, you're giving me the really hard questions today. <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. Is, yeah. 
This is a, this is a very difficult one. Um, let me just start by answering it a little bit historical, and that is, if you if you look at today the health risks that were associated with um, telecommunications in the fifties, and even two G and three G, um, what the industry has done with four G and five G is astronomical. Uh, it is not as risky as it once was. And I think there's a lot of people blowing things out of proportion. Full yeah. stop. That's my observation. I have no facts and data on that. Just my experience in the industry. And I would be perfectly happy for my children to play around a 5G mast. And I, I don't have a worry in the slightest. Um, however, does that mean it's 100% eradicated? Well, of course not. I don't think anything's 100% eradicated. I think the industry needs to continue to improve on technology, on improve on safety. I think the telco industry does have to play a role in this as well as equipment suppliers, as well as handset providers, as well as governments to set standards and regulations that we all need to comply with. I think it's a combination of those four factors working together, five, six factors working together, that's gonna to make us safer as a community and alleviate individuals and groups' concerns going forward. So I don't think it's one finger that you can point at somebody. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be done in the form of a consortium of people working together to keep the dialogue going and to set standards that people need to, to adhere to. I think if we do that, we will overcome the fears that we have. Eventually. Um, my last question to you is, it's, it's a really simple one. What next? And um, what do you think should be next? Um, apart from um, people continuing the debate in, in the comments section, um, what next in this space? <laughs> to, to add, as you said, I'll give you difficult questions, you don't have to answer this one, but I'd just like to throw this in because I read it, um, that China has officially launched research and development works for its 6G mobile network. The country only just turned it on its 5G networks, and to be clear, 5G is still in its infancy, um, with most people around the world still on 4G networks. What's next? What are your thoughts? I, I think this, um, this road of 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, 6G um, will peter out. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it's awfully difficult to go into much higher frequencies. I think we can't keep on like this. I think we need to change the game. I think that um, there's a lot of very bright people that are working on changing the game. And I think a lot of communication... Um, we'll go more into satellite communication, and I can see satellite um, latitude, longitudinal um, communication devices. I know there are people working on having satellites um, the circumference the globe, and we're making great progress in breaking through technologies through the ionosphere and all different types of um, communication interferences that come up with that. The more we send digital pulses uh, from here into satellites and, and work on that technology, the more the breakthrough technology can go. I think the telecommunications industry probably in the next 20, 30, maybe 50 years will be a lot less ground-based and a lot more satellite-based. And again, you can't, you can't have as many satellites up there as we have masts. <laughs> you know, we have way too many antennas and way too many masts. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. You know, pick your country. There's just too many of these things, too many base stations all over the place. Uh, and I can see, um, again, innovation and creativity moving everything into the upper atmosphere. And I think that's where the next generation technology will go. I, I think we have covered quite a bit here today for a further debate. Um, please, listeners, if you would like to comment on what Rene has said, please do so in the comments section and from the platform in which you are listening to this episode of Heads Talk. We look forward to your feedback and additions to this debate. Um, but in the meantime, um, Rene Schuster, again, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.